Today's episode is presented by Public. Public.com has just launched its new high-yield cash account, offering an industry-leading 5.1% APY. No fees, no subscription, and no minimums or maximums. That means you can grow your cash with 5.1% interest with no strings attached. It's as simple as that. Again, that's 5.1% interest with no fees. 5.1% interest with no subscription, 5.1% interest with no minimums or maximums, 5.1% interest with up to $5 million in FDIC insurance. Just 5.1% interest, straight up, no strings attached. Sign up today at public.com slash investing unscripted. This is a paid endorsement for public.com. 5.1% APY as of December 20th, 2023, and is subject to change. Full disclosures and terms and conditions can be found in the podcast description. High-yield cash accounts are available for U.S. members only. Hey, everybody. There's a, there's a magic button that, um, that you're supposed to press when you do a live stream. I didn't press that button. Everybody, it is indeed 13 minutes into... The first Friday, first Friday of 2024. Jeff, I had two jobs. I did them both wrong. Yes, so that says January 2023. And yes, I did not hit the go button. Hey, everybody. Jeff, we how are you, We apologize for that. We were not actually late. We were here talking, uh, not realizing Jason didn't start the, the live stream. So welcome, everyone. Uh, happy New Year. We won't uh, re- recap everything that we just talked about because most of it was boring. But... Um, we wanted we want to kick things off here with uh, welcoming everyone, thanking you for being here, apologizing for the delay. Uh, next time, I'll host the show so that it starts on time. Yeah, this is this is exactly what we should do. This is exactly what we should do. So, Jeff, um, let's 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 get right to it here. Um, we got a couple things planned. First thing, I want to remind everybody: get us your questions. Get us get your questions to us. The chat is open. And if you're listening to this on Saturday morning or sometime in the podcast, obviously it's not live. But if you're if you're with us live right now, get your questions to us into the chat. We will answer them. Um, but we got a couple things, a couple of housekeeping things we want to do first. Um, anybody, anybody that's whether you're watching this live, or you're listening to the to the live, uh, or, or you're listening to it on your podcast app. We're, we're um, we are doing something new. We are making a change, Jeff. Yeah. So this is going to go out. Uh, this live show that we're doing right now is going to go tomorrow morning out on our podcast feed and on YouTube, like our normal Saturday show does. However, that's going to be the last intentional, like scheduled Saturday drop of the show. We're going to move the normal um, day that the show publishes to Wednesday. So this show will come out on Saturday, January 6th. And the next regularly scheduled podcast will come out on Wednesday, the 10th. And that is the one that we recorded earlier this week. And we're doing that for a very simple reason that there's actually no reason we need to squeeze everything into one week, which is what we've been doing. We've gone from planning on a Monday to uploading the show on a Friday. Um, and we just need a little bit more time because we've added a lot to the podcast over the past year and a half. We do the, the transcript now, the newsletter now. We edit a little bit more carefully and, and thoroughly. Um, so, excuse me, we just need a little bit more time to do that. So it's still going to be every week. We'll still do first Fridays on the first of the month. We'll still do uh, the rough cuts whenever we feel like it. Uh, we're just going to shift the normal weekly drop to to Wednesday. So so that's what's going to be new in 2024, but there will be no skip. So you'll still get this on this coming Saturday, and then we'll move to Wednesdays after that. Also, for those of you that do like the transcripts, um, we, we don't do a transcript for the for the first Fridays just because we try to turn them around really quickly, and and just the, 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 it's, it's a lot of work to get the transcript ready. So 
Apologies to those of you that like to have the transcript with the show. You will get a transcript next Wednesday when we drop on our new regular schedule for the weekly um, episode. So be sure to check out that. Um, Jeff, let's, uh, you ready to, ready to talk about the, can I do my victory lap now? Slow down. We'll, we'll leave time for your victory lap. So if anyone has not yet listened to last week's episode, I encourage you to do that. We announced the 2024 portfolio contest, which is different. And I think a little bit more exciting. We have submissions from several of the guests that we had on the podcast in 2023. Everyone gave us their portfolios. It's, it is a eclectic mix of stocks to say the least. I think there's 70 you counted, right? There's more Some, than 70. More than 70 stocks that we'll be talking about throughout the year through these portfolios. Um, so I, I think people are excited about it. That that already has done pretty well in terms of people listening to that episode. So go back and check that out if you have not. But we never had a chance to talk about the 2023 portfolio contest. So we're going to spend a few minutes doing that now. And I think it'll be fun to wrap up this year with some people live on the chat with us. So if you have any questions or want to congratulate or harass any of us, please do so. We appreciate any and all interaction with those who are here with us live. Um, so really quick, we're going to put the quarterly and full year results up on the screen and I'll talk through it because if, I you're, know if you're listening to this in your podcast player and you want, and you want to follow along, you can either go to YouTube and you can see the video on YouTube, or you can just look at the in your uh, show notes and there's the link to the portfolio contest of the sheets. You can look at that there. Yes. And the link for this year's is there and, and the 2023 is there and they will both remain there forever. So this will always be able to be gone back and checked out. Um, and the, the first page of the 2023 uh, Google sheet is still live. It will, it'll still update up to the day you look at it. Cause we're going to track it over years, but the results pages are static um, to show the results. So real quick, Recapping the year, Q1 winner was the Unportfolio, and that's entirely my fault for picking companies that I mostly didn't like and sort of thought would do poorly, and it turns out that they did not do poorly at all. Um, Q2 winner was me. I, I had, My portfolio was up 24% in Q2. The Q3 winner was the least worst loser. Everyone was down that that uh quarter right. but jason's right. portfolio snuck by with a loss of only 7.7 percent and then q4 for the market generally was ridiculous and jason absolutely crushed it giving him the q4 and full year victory so jason as we look back on the year what was the what was what stuck out to you like what did you learn from playing this this contest this game for the year so one thing I want to mention, just to make it clear, so the the what we were just showing on the screen, that was each each result quarter. from the beginning of the quarter to the right. end of the quarter. It wasn't running results from the beginning of the year for that. I'm going to bring up the uh, the full year results just so everybody can see that too. It's on the it's the second tab if you're if you're scoring at home here. If you're scoring at home, good job. Um, it's uh so you can see my portfolio was up 85 percent. Um, just pretty stunning, right? Pretty stunning. Um, how much better these three stocks ended up doing in aggregate than the rest of the portfolio. And the thing that really stood out to me the most, Jeff, and you know what? Yeah. I, I, I'm taking my victory lap here and I'm bragging about my acumen as a stock picker. I think I'm a pretty good stock picker. And I think my track record backs it up, but this was three stocks in, in, in 12 months, right? 
there's a massive amount of unpredictability there and just good luck. If you told me at the beginning of the year that Trek's revenue was going to basically be down double digits for the full year and the stock was going to double, I wouldn't believe, I wouldn't have believed you. I mean, it's, I would have accepted that it was a possibility, but it's stunning how like a company like Trex that didn't really have a good year, the stock did really well because of two things. Number one, the expectations were low that Trex wouldn't have a great year because of their core, like their core business in housing. And now here we are looking at 2024 and the expectations are super high for housing for 2024, right? So low expectations, high expectations for the year ahead has bid the stock up. A tremendous amount. Doesn't surprise me what CrowdStrike did. Um, I don't wait. Hold on a second. I I'm going to call BS on that because if okay. I told you in December of last year that CrowdStrike was going to be up 143, percent you would not have believed that. No, yeah, I would have. I would have. No um, way. For two. No, I really would. Now I, I know it sounds like hindsight bias, and maybe to a certain extent it is, but it also doesn't surprise me that it tripled because the stock was so beaten down. And if you told me, well. The, they were actually going to cut costs and the ad market was going to get a lot better and they were going to be super duper profitable. Like I could, I could see that happening. So the reason I say that with CrowdStrike is because like all of the things about cybersecurity being necessary and how sticky their platform is and like all of the, the thesis stuff is working. Like it's all working. So based on everything working, it doesn't surprise me and how beaten down the stock was. Um, yeah, but it never got. I don't think. I mean, I'll go, I can I go back and look like valuation metrics. It, I don't remember CrowdStrike ever getting cheap. No, it wasn't cheap. Right. It wasn't like, dirt like it's cheap. not like no, it was trading for th- you know five times like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just. I mean, look. I. I'm glad it did that well. I own it, but I don't think. I think you're misremembering just how depressed we all were with <laughs> with yeah. the market at the end of last yeah, year. That's like, fair. That's fair. Um. But I mean, honestly, you know, so my, one of my big takeaways, and if you want to kill the screen share, what, one yeah, of my, that. One let of me my say big, this real quick before you do yours. Yeah. If you would have told me that there would be a portfolio that had one stock that was up 81% and one that was up 61% and it was not going to be the winner, I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah. Well, I didn't even, yeah. I mean, forgetting my three stocks and for that's a second. And that's your portfolio. Right. 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 But forgetting you, that for a second, you, I think. You, you came in middle of the pack. Yeah. The outset really crushed me. And it's funny. So you, you and right. I. You and I each picked a stock that we thought was sort of a riskier one. Like a moonshot. Yeah. Like mine was outset. Yours was lemonade. And lemonade right. did fine. It, it, beat, it didn't beat the market, but it was oh. up. Um, and mine just got absolutely crushed. But there's an alternate universe in which the opposite happened. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you it, know? Could be, it could be this and year. I, and I think, yeah, exactly. Um, I, the I, we, we had a couple questions we'll get to in one second. I just want to share my overall thoughts. I really thought the thing I learned from watching this very closely over the course of the year was two things. Number one, if we took these handful of this whole portfolio as one just portfolio, I think we all would have been pretty happy <laughs> with the results this year, right. even right. with what a stock that was down 80%, one that was down 83%, one that was down 70%. Um, you know, I, this, this portfolio, I think would have done pretty well over the course of the, of the year itself. So I'm not going to include, include the unportfolio. So not including the unportfolio, um, average, 42% gains. Right. So the two of us and the audience as a group crushed the market. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're like almost twice as good as the market, everybody. Good job. And that, good job. that's a good segue. That's a good segue into one of the questions we had here, which was 
um, any audience participation for the 2024 portfolio contest. So not officially, we decided to change that. But because a couple people did this already, email us your picks and we will hold on to them. And uh, maybe if we get enough, Jason, we can we can make, we'll make another. A, we'll make a tab. Yeah, we can make the... a tab and put some audience ones on there. I think that's um, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, you can you can email the show at investingunscripted at gmail dot com. You can DM them to us on Twitter. Those are really the best two. Um, I I guess you could you could like send a DM on Instagram or Threads or if you use those platforms too. That's fine. Um, but really, an email or a Twitter DM would probably be the best. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll put up a separate tab on the sheet and we'll, we'll put some audience ones in there too. So yeah, sure. That's fine. I'm happy to have the audience play along. We didn't want to do it the same way we did last year because it, there's no easy way to sort of get consensus from the audience. Um, so the ones we picked last year were sort of just our best guess of what most people wanted. So, um, all right, Jason, we also have a question here or a comment here for the first half of 2024. I'm feeling like more cash in high interest savings account and also more cash in investing account. And keep an eye on opportunities. It feels like the market is too positive on rates coming down. It's a good, good question slash thought. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that's true. And the, I mean, one of the reasons we've seen the market kind of come down a little bit um, so far this year in the few trading days that we've had is, you know, the the we've seen the folks from the Fed start to say, whoa, 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 <laughs> not so fast on us cutting rates. And we've seen some really smart investors go on CNBC and other places and kind of say the same thing. It's like the impetus for the Fed lowering rates is usually the economy's crap. You know, it's bad. You're doing it to address a problem. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's use kind of a crude um, analogy. It's, you know, you're, you're shooting your gun, you're wasting your bullets when you don't have something you're trying to shoot. Right. It's, it's, these are their tools. Every 25 or 50 basis points is a tool they can use to either stimulate the economy or cool the economy off. So I don't see the Fed being aggressive with lowering rates unless there's an obvious impetus to do it that's not not particularly positive for stocks, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah. I I to- I agree with that too. I the thing I've been thinking of is I think we might have lost Cena. Like I mean not like lost loss, just I think his phone battery may have died. <laughs> no, he's he's off the chat. Um, Love you, Cena. I agree with you on the interest rate thing. You know, this is one of the topics we were gonna talk about later if we if we had some extra time, but since it was sort of related to the question here, we might as well dive a little deeper into it. Yeah. Like you said, like lowering and raising rates is the Fed's biggest weapon to help fix the economy when it goes in a direction it doesn't, we don't want it to go, whether it's inflation going too high or whether it's a recession. So I don't know. I don't, I didn't look deeply into like the predictions about like what, what the potential 2024 interest rate cuts could mean. I think some people hear cuts and they think like it's going back to zero and that's just not going to happen because otherwise if they did that then they have nothing in their you know toolbox to fight a recession if it comes right so we're not going to see 0% interest we're probably not going to see anything close to it a couple 25 basis point cuts maybe over the course of the year I guess but so that but that's still like historically amounts of interest rates right the zero interest rate environment is the thing that's the outlier, not, not the norm. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to keep an eye on. I, I'm curious to see how that goes. It's going to be something we talk about, I'm sure, throughout the year. Uh, we had another comment here from Ken. He thinks Mitch Fattel will win the 2024 contest, but he related it to like the person who just picks the fo- fantasy football team based on like who's the hot guy or what the uniform color is. Favorite uniforms. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this about Mitch. And I said it when we did the the show where we 
um, announce the portfolios. He is a a high conviction winners keep winning investor. Like that's his he he believes that wholeheartedly. At least that's what I picked up when we had him on the show earlier last year. So I do think that'll be a fun one to watch as we go through the year. Yeah, and I encourage people to go back if you haven't go back and listen to that episode with him. It's I think investing is funny is the title of it. Uh, with Mitch Fatel. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a great conversation. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. All so right. I want to, I want to, um, we've got another question. Um, is this actually kind of ties into that same question about um, more cash right now and waiting to be opportunistic? And Eric's question, doesn't this just prove that time in is better than time ing? Um, and yeah, I think so. I think like those are really, really related. I think they're both really, really related. They're kind of converse maybe in a way of one another, Jeff. Um, yeah. Because it is like, think about it. It. I'm, I'm trying to pull up the, I don't like, I'm not going to, these aren't going to be like hard numbers, but in July, the S&P was up roughly 20%. August, let's call it August, like mid-August. It was up roughly 20%. NASDAQ 100 was up 40%. And then it would sell off 10 or 15% by, I don't know, October, end of October. This run-up we've seen in the third quarter has really been a two-month rally, right? It's been a Santa Claus rally. It really has. Um, how many people sold in October? Because even after that sell-off, even after that sell-off, the market was still up like, I don't know, 10, 12%. Locked in those gains and then missed the rally. Yeah. And the other piece of what Eric wrote here, and I'm wondering... If and Eric, you can clarify in the chat if you'd like to, if he was referring to the conversation we were having about the portfolio contest or just about the earlier question regarding um, interest rates and stuff. But the other way that this is related to what we were just talking about is, and I just want to reiterate it again, we fully realize that these portfolio contests are silly one-year games. Like we're not, like we're joking about how Jason's this great stock picker and how as a group we beat the market, but. It we're not joking year. about how Jason's a great stock picker. <laughs> I'm we're, joking we're, about it. We're joking, joking about how that had anything to do with Jason winning the contest. Correct. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's, I, and again, like that's the fun part for me. Like there's a lot of good conversation points that come out of doing like a goofy one-year contest, but it will be fun to look back two or three years from now at the 2023 portfolio contest when it's four or five years old and see where, where things have ended up. Because I think, um, I know this from, I think I wrote about this in in the last newsletter we did. Um, I play along on on some five stock pick games that the Motley Fool uh, conversation boards are are on there, and I kept track of la the 2022 portfolio that I didn't do well on. I just kept it uh, my own spreadsheet of it throughout 2023, and it got significantly better because <laughs> I had a whole other year, and it was obviously a better year. So um, this will be interesting and and fun to watch over. The longer term, but I do think there's a lot of lessons in the short term as well. Jeff, my favorite thing about it, I think, is two things really. Number one, that we hopefully got just a few more people a little bit more engaged and thinking about it and having fun and something that's like kind of a low risk way to think about stocks and to think more about it, right? And and to see all of the volatility and the turmoil and the churn in real time in a way that you're like not emotionally attached to it, that maybe can help people be a little more successful at managing themselves. Like we talk, it's one of the things I say all the time. It's like, you know, you, you can have the best portfolio in the world, but if you can't manage your own emotions, it doesn't matter what you own. Right. It, maybe that, that helps some people. And the second part of that is when we, we gave a few hundred bucks to some charities 
And yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And the, one of the lessons that I took away from the contest, and I, I think you lose track of this, even when you're someone who watches your portfolio a lot, because you forget over time, like you might remember that, oh, this stock was near the bottom and now it's near the top or vice versa. But just looking at how consistent some of these companies were in terms of returns over the course of the year, or at least nothing wild in terms of swings back and forth, but then looking at how many were just absolutely absurd. Like there was a two quarter period where lemonade was down 21% or I'm sorry, a two month period mm. where it was down 21% and then up 29% in 30 days. You know, like that's, that's a wild swing. And why that matters is if you're going to own lemonade and hope to have any long-term success with it, you have to just understand that it could be down 29% in April and it could be up 29% in May. And you just need to know that if you're going to own that kind of company. Now you're not going to see that volatility with I'll just, I'm just trying to, from our portfolio, probably something like Brookfield infrastructure, right? Like that moved around, but not nearly that wildly. Um, and yeah. and something like a Berkshire Hathaway, like if you, that wasn't in the portfolio contest, but if you own that, that's not going to move drastically month to month either, you know, it might over the course of the year. So I think those are good things as you see it, like laid out on a spreadsheet to kind of wrap your head around. Here's, here's one that just, it, it jumps out at me, but actually I kind of predicted that this could happen. AMC ended up being the worst performing stock. It was down 83% for the full year. Um, slightly worse than one of the stocks that you picked in your long portfolio, Outset Medical, which was down 79%. Had to, had to say that out loud, Jeff. Um, and at the end of February, AMC was up 75%, Jeff. I don't know if you remember, I talked about how there was the, the apes. It was that uh, the, the, the whole thing they were trying to do to issue more stock and they were doing these, the, the apes, these special shares and like how all of that was like a railroad about to crash into a mountain. And it, that's exactly what happened. And it completely undermined their ability to raise capital. And that's why the stock has completely washed out. But like, it's one of those things where I guarantee the longs, the bulls that have fallen in line to be the bag holders for the AMCs of the world. They didn't know that they just didn't understand any of those things. And that's how you get wiped out. So it's like, those are the important things to know. So that's like a big lesson for me. Yeah. And I hope over the course, you know, anyone who's listening to this live or not, you know, if you're going to follow along with us in 2024, I would love to get more listener feedback on their takeaways from the portfolio, like any lessons that stick out to them. So it's not just us saying what we think. Uh, before you before you read what I know you're going to read, I just want to go back because I think Ken wrote something that resonated with me in terms of the way I'm thinking differently about my investing. So Ken wrote, I like the enhanced DCA approach and DCA is just dollar cost averaging. Base investment every month, build some cash when the market is overheated, deploy it when it's less heated, no big bold moves, just around the edges. You can do this with individual stocks or broad ETFs. That's a lesson I learned, I think I learned, living through 2021 and 2022 Obviously, in 2021, I couldn't wait to put money into the market because it went up every day. But when I got into 22 and everything was really down and I didn't have a lot of dry powder to put into stocks that I looked at as being very inexpensive or really beaten down, but I thought was still a great business. So I do kind of like the idea of like not, a, not stopping investing during the good times, but maybe being a little bit more judicious and stockpiling some cash for when things do turn and head in the other direction. So we've got another comment here and I love this because I was talking about with the contest, you know, kind of being objective and being outsider, not being emotionally attached. 
You're going to have to remind me again. Um, I believe it's Teo, not Teho. You told us last time I asked you. So remind us again, and I'll try to remember. It says, not emotionally attached. I couldn't join a kids versus parents charity game without being competitive. In fairness, of course not, because everybody wants to crush your kids when you're playing against them competitively in that sort of environment. I do that with my seven-year-old. But Yeah, no, that's... There's no reason to have kids if you're not going to try to crush them in a sporting event at some point in their life. <laughs> because at some point, somebody's going to crush their soul. Might as well be you. So, no, love it. Absolutely love it. All right. Before we move on to some other topics and or questions to answer, anything else as we wrap up 2023, Jason? Or did do you think we covered the contest from your point of view? It was, it was a lot of fun. And even if my portfolio came in the worst, I still think it was a lot of fun. I hope it was informative for folks. I would love to hear from anybody that's listening to this. Send us a comment. Uh, tweet at us, however you want to reach out to us, share us your thoughts on what you thought about the contest, your observations. We'd love to hear from, from some viewers and some listeners too. Absolutely. Yeah. And just generally, I, I think in 2024, we, we would both like to hear from the audience more generally show ideas, questions, comments, whatever. And All right. Teo said, I got it right. I remembered, but then I questioned myself. Good so, job. You, you go. so you, of the three things that you did today, you screwed up only two of them. There you go. And then um, the one that I got right, I fumbled it. All right. So here's a, here's a question for you, Jason, and also for anyone who's listening and wants to chime in on the chat. Um, what what surprised you the most in 2023? And I'm, I'm talking big macro things, not like specific stocks. Like what about the last year surprised you the most? So number one, I, I would lie if I didn't say it wasn't the market going up as much as it did. Um, I was not expecting this sort of a good year. I'm pretty sure I was expecting a recession, but I expect a recession every year. I've talked about that before. I invest differently because, well, history says don't invest expecting a recession every year because they don't happen every year. Um, but if there's like, if I were to kind of distill that down a little bit, there was a thing that I learned um, and it was actually, I, I did the numbers when we did our um, reckless prediction show and Ryan uh, from Chit Chat Money was talking about the, uh, like one of his reckless predictions was, that the mag seven weren't going to do good. Like a couple of them, particularly he kind of called out and I had looked at the numbers briefly a couple of days before, but I pulled them up again, literally while he was talking and why charted it out to look at it. And if you took the magnificent seven stocks, 2023, the average magnificent seven stocks, the average one went up 111%. The average one, the average for the magnificent seven was 111% last year is just stunning. Even if you take, um, Nvidia out, they're still up like 60 or 70% on average. But if you stretch it back to the beginning of 2022, the market peak before the, the 22 sell-off, the average over that two year period is only like seven and a half percent in gains. Yeah. You know, and that's actually kind of related to John's comment here. You know, he's, he writes, everyone says that stocks are up, but really small and mid cap did not, were not as much aggressive portfolios are not up like the news says. That was less true at the end of the year because we looked at that a little bit um, yeah. on like the B segment of one of our last episodes. And while it was true that all of the growth we saw in like the first nine or 10 months of the year was MAG7 and almost no one else, that normalized a little bit in the last couple months of the, of the from like that October low to mid to late December, it got a little bit, a little bit better, but generally directionally john i i think you're right for the for the year i mean we're still living in a in a large cap large tech caps world. did better yeah there's no doubt about that yeah um i think what surprised me the most last year i had 
there was two things that came to mind. One was, it wasn't so much that the market was up as much as it was, although that was a surprise. To me, it was more about how 2022-ish, I'm sorry, how 2021-ish the last little rally at the end of the year felt. Like right before the end of the year, it just, everything that was, it was very frothy. I was like, I, I was, crypto was going back up. I was waiting for NFTs to start coming back. <laughs> like it was, it had that same sort of frenzied, everything goes up every day. Valuations and multiples were expanding in ways that didn't really make any sense. And I guess that happens anytime there's like a big run. It was just some of the types of, you know, exuberance that was out there that it just gave me very like late 2021 vibes. So that specific part of the run the market went on surprised me. And the other thing was, I thought we'd see the impact of the higher interest rates on businesses a little bit more in 2023 than than, than we did. And I think maybe that's just my being still newer and naive about how quickly that stuff sort of works its way through a company's balance sheet. So I'm wondering if we're going to see some more of that this year versus yeah. last year. But you know, for all the talk of pricing action over the course of the year where companies were passing along the higher rates that they were experiencing because of the interest rates, they were just passing it along to their customers in the form of higher prices. At some point that has to end. And you're going to start seeing seeing profitability for these companies take a hit. And it didn't happen as much as I thought it would in 2023. So that surprised me. So maybe that that's still to come, but I thought it would happen already. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Um, I completely lost it. Oh, here it is. So this is one. I want to circle back to the the, the portfolio contest because one of the things that we didn't do this year with the 2024 contest that I liked was the unportfolio. Uh, we just decided because we're doing so many portfolios, something kind of had to give. And that was one of the things. What what do you have an unportfolio stock for 2024? What is a stock that either you have no interest in owning and it's actually going to go down this year or a stock that you fully expect is going to, is going to lose value in 2024. All right. I have two specific stocks and then just sort of like a bucket of stocks. So I'll just give them to you real quick and you can tell me what you think. So based solely on the fact that it's in a cyclical industry and it had such a good year, I, I would consider putting NVIDIA in an unportfolio just because I feel like it's going to have to be lower a year from now than it is now. I like the company. I own the company. It's a great company. I don't dislike it like I did the ones I picked last year. But just talking about like where it's starting and where it could go, I just feel like there's a better chance it goes down than up. Um, by the way, that made this year's portfolio contest, I think, a little bit harder. You know, It was kind of easy to find three stocks last year that were beaten down and could possibly yeah, I mean, it was like the well. perfect time. The the bottom yeah. was January fourth, right? Yeah. So yeah. like a couple of weeks before, after we were picking socks, it was at the bottom. So the other, the second one I'll say is going back to the well. I would pick Tesla again. Um, okay. And I do actually own it now, thanks to my <clears throat> thanks to my father. I can go back and you can look at the Nick's picks uh, tab on the 2023 portfolio spreadsheet and see that I picked it last year because a not a fan, but b it just felt like 
its valuation was unsustainable. It's still just a car company. And I know there's other stuff, but it's a car company. But you did start to see a little bit of a crack in that armor the last couple months of the year. Um, you know, margin compression and uh, the whole question about are they, is there enough demand for now what they're able to build? You know, they were working so hard to get supply up for so long and now they did. And now there's a question about demand. So I still, I do think they could have a rough year. Um, yeah. And then I, I guess the third thing is just sort of like a bucket of stocks, like almost in the spirit of the two you picked last year, like AMC and Blink Charging, like anything in that meme stock, either meme stock category or where there's dubious, you know, leadership at the company or, or just the stock has like a weird following in it and it's up and it's down and it's up and it's down. Like those sort of ones, like Plug Power comes to mind too. Like that one seems to jump around a lot based on investor sentiment rather than business fundamentals. Um, so that's where my head went with that question. What about you? What would you put in your 2024 unportfolio had we done one? So building building on the Tesla one, right? So 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 the market is still growing. It's going to be bigger in 2024 than it was in 2023, right? So Tesla's probably going to sell more cars than they did last year. But pricing is a thing now. It is a bigger thing, right? So I, I think a lot of things about what you're saying are probably going to prove true. Um, I would... I'm going to stick with the Magnificent Seven. I'm going to say Apple and a couple reasons why. Um, and some of it was highlighted in the downgrade that we saw this week um, from an analyst. Um, it's iPhone sales. You've got a new phone that just came out. So this is a year that we're not going to see a new model. Um, they'll probably update it, but it won't be a new, a new model. And sales haven't been great. They've been fine. They haven't been great. Um, the PC market is still terrible right and that's they, they, they that's something they haven't really been hyper focused on for a while um the antitrust stuff concern me we actually had a little bit of a kind of a mini debate um earlier this afternoon about it i do think that there's some potential anti antitrust risk with app stores in general we've already seen google starting to deal with it right they're getting smacked and and i think that that kind of thing is coming potentially for apple too um and that's a massive very profitable cash flow stream that could be impacted. So you got a growth has basically gone away. And honestly, that cash flow stream is is what has been sort of the ballast against slower yeah. hardware sales. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's the services, right? It's right. the ecosystem. This 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 is the thing that keeps people right. It's this is this this oh this is the the gate, right? Sure it's a profitable gate, but it's once you're inside the theme park and you start buying all the other stuff in the theme park and they get to decide everything that gets allowed to be sold in the theme park. So um, I do think there's risk there. And then you put on the multiple that the stock is trading for. And yeah, I'd, that's, that's, that's why I would say Apple, which is, this is a complete reversal for me. Last year, I was picking shit codes, right? I was picking story stocks that don't have real meaningful cash generative growth businesses attached to them. Um, somebody from investor relations at one of those companies is probably going to send an email to me, but screw you, you have a crappy company and you don't make any money. So <laughs> Apple's a wonderful company that makes yeah. massive, massive amounts of money. The stock's expensive. The business is going to struggle. There's antitrust risk. So it's my unportfolio pick for this year. No, that's a good one. And John put it in the chat too, like before you even started talking. So you guys are on the same, on the same page. I would just Thanks. add to the Apple Thanks, thing. John. I would add that um, there's also the story recently about having to Almost they had to pause sale of the watch because of the lawsuit from Massimo about the blood oxygen reading. So that's another, it's another that's one. That's true. 
Yeah, um, no, that's true. John says Stitch Fix. You know, I, I would I would almost agree with you, but my wife has actually started buying clothes from Stitch Fix again. So that's my anecdata that maybe they finally like got. You know, all it's funny. I had a box. Box came to my house today for my wife from Stitch oh Fix. So. Oh boy, <laughs> it's a it's so. a bullish signal. Yeah. Everyone, pick up your shares. We had some other uh, some other people throw some ones in here. So yeah, Teo wants me to say or Teo wants me to say Meta again. No, I'm I'm done. I'm off the Meta train. I won't I won't say that one way or the other. Um, he also says he feels like Elon can Elon can still BS people for another year, but thinks that Tesla might be a good candidate. So, I mean, the thing that Tesla does have in its favor is that that's that it's true. And I'll move beyond the BS. It's like there's always the story part, right? And until the story stops being a story and they actually start delivering a product that's either profitable or not profitable, the story is a buoyant, it is a buoyancy factor. It really is. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And it's, you know, I, it's interesting. Tesla's interesting to me too, just cause like I, sometime in the next, I don't know, uh, half a year to year and a half. So sometime between this spring and next summer, I'm going to be buying a new car and I want to buy an electric car if I can, just cause that's what I'm interested in. And I think that's the next thing I, I, I keep cars forever. So if I'm going to keep a car for another decade, um, I'd like to have an electric. So I'm looking at all options, including Tesla's. And as I do the research and, and think about the prices and the, the range you can get, what's available new versus used. I can't like as much as I want to eliminate them because Elon drives me nuts. I can't like, yeah. there are, there are things they offer that I think are still very compelling to people. I mean, and just anecdotally around me, they are everywhere, almost to the point where it makes me not want to get one. They're everywhere. Everyone Te has says the power moves to drive down to Mexico and buy a BYD. Yeah. That's often. Yeah. Um, That's often. We don't have to talk about this, but just because I'm thinking about it, like, honestly, one of the biggest things I love is just, I like the idea of being able to buy a car on an app and not have to deal with a, a salesman <laughs> or a, a salesperson. Like I, I, that's almost worth just buying one because I don't have to go in and like haggle with some creepy salesperson. So anyway, um, all right, here's a, here's one for you um, about this coming year. Do you have a reckless prediction that didn't make it to our reckless prediction show that went out a couple weeks ago? You know, it's funny. Like I proposed this question and I really, I, <laughs> you don't I, have one. I don't, I really, I really don't. Um, I don't think I predicted a recession on the show, but like, it's such a tired thing for me to say, because anytime somebody puts me in front of a camera and hands me a mic and asks me to make a prediction for the next year, I predict a recession. I just, I literally always think there's going to be one. I don't know why I'm wired that way, but I do. Yeah. I don't really have one either. Although I will say, and you and I talked about this a little bit offline and I don't want to go too down, too far down this road because it's, it'll verge into the parts of the world that we don't and are not any kind of experts in, but it's also sort of depressing. Like I do, I do worry about like more world conflict and, yeah. and increasing wars and expanding wars and different new wars that, that could have like a massive impact on supply chains and specific companies and sectors and that kind of stuff. Like, so I don't want to make a reckless prediction that there's going to be a war. Cause that feels sort of gross. Um, but I would not be surprised if there was some, expansion of conflict this year that maybe people aren't necessarily thinking about or pricing into the market. And I, I super hope I'm wrong. Um, I think but, you just predicted that China is going to invade Taiwan. I did not. I'm not gonna, no, let's don't touch that. Let's leave that alone. Let's leave that alone. Yeah. Um, all right, here, I got a, I got a, another one for you. We already kind of, we talked about this a little bit with Apple, but let's go back to it. 
Do you think there will be any meaningful antitrust decisions in 2023? Or maybe not even decisions, but meaningful antitrust news, progress, anything like that with any Yes company? and no. Yes and no. I think, and this is where, you know, I'm trying to not step on the third rail of politics on the investing podcast bros live stream, but it's a presidential election year. It's a, this is going to dominate the news. It's going to have a lot of impact on markets because the markets, you, you have two very diametrically opposed. Um, again, I'm, I'm assuming that Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. I guess he could serve from what's that? Federal penitentiary. And <laughs> you said you were not going to get political. No, I mean, it's, but I mean, it's so, it's so like, it's, I'm just, I'm ha having fun with it, but it's like, yeah. it's the whole, th but the point, I guess the point is, is like thinking about it from like economic policy and views on business and governance and regulation. These are two extremely diametrically opposed potential administrations, yeah. right? And if you're Apple or Alphabet or Am any of these companies that are looking if down, staring at antitrust, anti-competitive, you've been sued by the, by the federal government, they're pursuing with FTC or you know, CFPC, who, any of these organizations or these government entities are going after you um, on these grounds, you have every incentive to go to court, right? You, why would you settle with, right. with the Biden administration that is far more behind the idea of more regulation and breaking up some of these uh, ecosystems and anti-competitive um, duopolies, like all of the things that exist out there, um, when you could potentially get to a Trump administration, a Republican administration that is going to be far more business friendly and yeah. instruct the D Department of Justice to stop, right? Yeah. And they and literally, they have to stop. I'm the one who wrote the question, and that's exactly my take on it too. Like yeah. you, you'd be stupid not to drag your feet as much as you can and go to court and, and try to delay because yeah, if, if, if the things end up one way in November, you probably are facing, you know, more scrutiny. And if they go the other way, you're probably not. So right. yeah, I, I, I phrased the question as, will there be any meaningful decisions in 2023? So I doubt that because nothing seems to move quickly. Um, you know, there was an article today about possible antitrust stuff with Apple was to spark the conversation, but that even, you know, even in the, the quickest, most efficient way a government can operate, like, I, I don't know how quickly antitrust things actually get resolved. It just seems like it would take more than a year. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we might well, there see is, some, there's, there's, there's months and months and then it goes to trial and there's a ruling and then you appeal and you move to the next court. And yeah, there's, there's no, there's, if, if I was a business leader, of course, that's the approach that I would take because either you're going to get the same result that you would get today, next year, or you get a better result if there's a turnover in the administration. So um, I'm not, I'm not investing any differently based on that. Um, I don't think yeah. it's useful. No, I, and that's the thing too, like just to come back to Apple one more time, because we've talked about Apple in the sense of they, they're in this, they're potentially going to have issues soon, according to this article. And you you named it as your unportfolio, mostly or partially because of antitrust concerns. But what I'm interested in with something like Apple, or you know, even if they went after Amazon or Microsoft or any of these big tech companies, I absolutely think in the short term there could be a downside to the stock. I think any any extra love for the stock that's not tied to business fundamentals might go away. Like you could, I don't think Apple will trade for 30 times sales if they lose an antitrust, antitrust suit. 
But I still feel like once that all kind of shakes out and the market, it's all priced in, like, I still think Apple probably is fine in a decade. Like I, Oh yeah. You know, like yeah. I, it, and that would be a huge hit. Like if they, if they saw their services revenue dry up or, or take a significant hit, um, you know, they couldn't run their app store the way they do. Like, I don't know, you don't, you don't make it this far and get this big without having a lot of, a lot of wind at your back. <laughs> so I feel like yeah. all no, these huge true. companies will be able to figure out a way, a way forward. And, and if you are a long-term holder of their stock and believer in, in their business or any of these businesses, like to me, it just seems like a potential buying opportunity, you know, like, if, if the stock drops on one of those, I think that's, I think that's fair. Yeah. I really do. I think it's fair. And, and I want to say this too, is like, this is, I think the important thing about that unportfolio designation. There are a few businesses I admire more than Apple. There are a few business leaders I admire more than Tim Cook. Uh, wonderful company. I am a diehard user of their mobile products. We probably have 10 Apple products in my house right now. Oh, same. Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, so this is, you know, I mean, there's, you love the company, love the business and not love the stock. I think that's really a, an objective, important, valuable lesson as an investor to learn. Maybe one of the most important ones you can learn is, you know, don't, don't let the business and the products fool you into loving the stock when you need to be objectively aware of all the potential risks. And I think that's the case with Apple right now. So yeah. You know. Or, or the potential risks, but also, you know, maybe love the stock at a different price. There you go. Yeah. The answer is not no. The answer is just not right now. Right. There you go. Yeah. All right. So we, we are at five o'clock, but since we started a little bit late, I don't know if there's any other things you wanted to hit on before we, before we wrap this up. Well, I'm just going through the chat here to see if there's any other things that are, are worth uh, mentioning. Teo says the Michael Burry unportfolio, VOO, <laughs> which is the ETF for the S&P 500, SPY, which is an ETF for the S&P 500. The S&P 500, yeah. The Vanguard S&P, the Spider <laughs> S&P, and then IVV. What's IVV? I don't know what IVV is. I should know this one. Regardless, that's a that's another. It's the iShares. It's the iShares. That's their S and P tracker. Yeah, good. Yeah, good one. That's good true. One. Yeah, it's a good joke. Man, Michael Burry has really. He's you know <laughs> he's a great example of somebody who got one thing really really right. He's just one of the people that called the 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 housing bubble right. Yeah. Made so much money, and then has called thirty five recessions and market crashes since then. But he didn't call the pandemic crash. I just want to point that out. Yeah. He gets a lot of, it is interesting. That's just an interesting thing about the financial celebrity and media world. Like who gets all, who gets attention and for what reasons. And Oh, all you have to do is get one call, right? One big call, right? One time. And they will always call you. You will always, you will always get the interview. It's ridiculous. All right. Well, listen, we are, we are a little bit past five. Uh, that was our scheduled time. I know we started a little bit late, but we don't have any more questions in the chat. So I think it might be a good way to wrap things up. So just uh, before we do, real quick reminders on the back end here. Uh, this show is dropping on Saturday, January 6th. And as we said at the top, we're going to uh, switch our cadence to dropping our normal shows on Wednesdays. So this goes out on the 6th. The next regular show goes out on the 10th. It'll be Wednesdays from then on. Uh, please uh, keep in touch with us. Give us your thoughts and comments. Check out our newsletter. Check out our YouTube channel. Um, make sure that you... Uh, follow us on the podcast apps. And if you could be so kind as to give us a rating and a review on said podcast apps, we would be greatly appreciative as we're trying to grow the audience. That's the easiest and best way to help support the show. So thank you everyone for uh, joining us here. Jason, why don't you disclose us and wrap, wrap things up? We did it, Jeff. We did it. There we go.
All right, everybody, as always, we love to answer your questions, get our thoughts on these hard investing questions, make fun of one another, make fun of you, the listener, occasionally as well. It's a lot of fun, but you know what? You've still got to find your own answers to these questions. I believe in you. You can do it. Okay, Jeff, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks, everyone.